We're going to mainly be in Mark chapter 4 today. If you want to turn there, um, that's where I will be preaching the book of this message from. Uh, as I'm preaching from, from Mark 4, uh, I want you to keep in mind that good passages to study um, outside of this service will be Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 8, which tell the same story. Today I'm going to talk quite a bit about the leadership of Jesus, how he leads us, where he leads us. So let's take a look at the 23rd Psalm for a really cool example. Psalm 23 verses 1 through 3 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I I love the personalized nature of that, don't you? He's not just the good shepherd. He's my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That's nice, right? Makes you just want to snuggle up next to Jesus in a wool blanket generously donated by one of his sheep on a green pasture next to a cool stream. He leads us. But what about when Jesus leads us into a storm? Notice I didn't say what about when Jesus is there with us in the midst of the storm, but what about when he actually leads us into the storm? That's what we're going to study today in Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read Mark 4, 35 through 41. I'm going to read it through in its entirety, and then we're going to come back and circle back on it and unpack it. So Mark 4, 35. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Basically, the disciples follow Jesus into a boat. A storm arises. The Lord calms the sea. Pretty simple, right? Not even close. Not even close. If we read this passage with that type of simplicity, we are missing such powerful stuff. So let's, let's unpack this. Let's go through this together because there is life contained in this passage. So starting again in verse 35, on that day when evening had come. So let's think of this in a theatrical sense or in a liter- literary sense, okay? 
the scene is being painted for us. It starts off with on that day. So if you want to find out what took place in that day, then, then read the rest of Mark chapter 4. But there was a ton of ministry. There were a ton of parables. He, he pulled the disciples aside for a moment and he told them, hey, I'm speaking in parables. You know, but for you, I'm going to unpack it. And he would unpack it for them. But Jesus had previously been on a boat on the shore and he was preaching to the masses and, and being there, like just in the narrow part of the shore, it, it served as like an amphitheater like effect. You know, his voice radiated and it traveled and he had been teaching all day. So there's powerful things, you know, to, to see. So it says, on that day, so later in that day, when evening had come, so the sun's setting. It's getting dark. He said to them, let's go across to the other side. He said to them, let's go across. Going across was whose idea? It was Jesus' idea. And he led them. He led them into that boat he led them into what was to come. The word tells us that Jesus did nothing except that he first heard the Father say it. That he first, he was aware of the Father's will. And the Father said, this is what I want you to do. Let's go across to the other side and leaving the crowd, they took with him, they took him with them in the boat just as he was which I find an interesting line how else do you take Jesus I mean, just as he was I'm like alright and the way I see this in kind of painting that picture I see him pretty darn exhausted I see him possibly you know pretty dirty I mean he's been working all day um, he's been teaching all day uh, you know I, I see I see a very weary Jesus getting into that boat and this is a really cool line that a lot of us miss. And other boats were with him. And other boats were with him. We're seeing foreshadowing of them getting ready to push out into the sea for this incredible storm. And it's not just one boat. It's not just the boat that, that Jesus was on. And it says, a great windstorm arose. You guys, this was not just a great windstorm. I don't know if Logan went to quiet the kids, but if he didn't go to quiet the kids, could we just kind of tell him to bring it down a notch? More, more specifically, maybe Brandon to bring it down a notch. Good golly. And a great windstorm arose. What a gross understatement. What a... Rarely does a description fall so short of what took place. This was not just a great windstorm. So here's the translation from, from Mark. He uses the words megas lepas. First of all, anytime the word mega is used for something, you're talking about something huge. You're talking about something big. So megas lepas is the Greek words, and it means a tempestuous whirlwind, a violent act of wind, a squall, 
Never a single gust, nor a steady blowing wind, no matter how violent, but a storm breaking forth from black thunder crowds in furious gusts with floods of rain and throwing everything topsy-turvy. That's the straight definition from the concordance. What a definition! Matthew uses, in his description in Matthew 8, he uses the word megas also, but he uses the word megas seismos. A great earthquake. Do you guys know what an earthquake that takes place under water is called? A tsunami. Megas seismos. A tsunami. These are the words described. It's not just a big storm. It's not just a windy day. And evening had come, and by the time they got out, Matthew uses the words and says, Now night had fallen. It is dark. It is pitch dark. I want to say that the Sea of Galilee is something like 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. And and you find yourself in the middle of that. It is pitch black. And now you find yourself in the midst of a tsunami. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep, head on a pillow. So this is where I kind of let my imagination start thinking about specifics of this instance. This is a true story. They're out there, the disciples in the boat with Jesus. And he's asleep. And this incredible mega storm hits. Where it's not just a steady wave, it's just a violent crashing of wind and waves. And, and so much of the, they're, the water's flowing in and they're dumping the water out and they can't do it and they're sinking. And friends, that is a terrifying thought to me. I have a healthy respect, a healthy fear for the ocean. It's massive. And it's mighty. And they were experiencing this. So check this out. What about the other boats? See, in this boat, at least they could look and see Jesus asleep. What are the other boats? What are the people in the other boats thinking? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? I think I can make out some of the others. That, that might be Peter, but where's Jesus? There's some things that David wrote in the Psalms that were just very prophetic. And I wonder if some of those things went through their mind at the time. I imagine the majority of them have familiarity with the Psalms. Psalm 65, 5-7 says this, By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth, And of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might. Verse 7. Who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. David wrote that prophetically. Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging 
of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. There's other passages that speak to that. And I wonder, I wonder if there were those in the boat that thought of those and said, the one who rules the seas is here. Yet we're going to die in this. Where is he? Where is he? How many of us do the same thing? How many of us do the same thing? We know that Jesus is there. For those in the boat, they see that Jesus is there. We know He's there. But in those moments, what do we know more? What do we know more? The waves, the sea, the winds, the blackness, the darkness, the fear. In those moments, we know those things more than Jesus. Because they're loud and they're in your face and they're intimidating. And isn't that typical of the enemy? He's in your face and he's loud and he's accusatory and he's intimidating and he's heaping shame upon us. And in a moment we're going to see the coolness of Jesus. I mean, the absolute coolness of Christ. Maybe that should be a series. The coolness of Christ. That'd be a cool series. Wear a leather jacket, flip up the collar. Like Arthur Fonzarelli, I could do this a lot. For, for the kids, that was a TV show like back in the 1800s. They said, they woke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Can we think about that for a second? Teacher, master, another in Luke it says. Teacher, master. I'm sure they were using every name to wake Jesus they could. Teacher, master, Jesus, Jesus. Do you not care that we're perishing? You guys, in the midst of fear, in the midst of darkness, one thing the enemy wants us to do is make accusation against the character of Jesus Christ. To make accusation against the goodness of God. They're saying, Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, Aren't you loving? Jesus, aren't you good? Jesus, aren't, isn't your name supposed to be good? But it goes a step further. It's actually really insulting. Because if you look at that root word for that, uh, that perishing where we kind of get, you know, the apocalypto is the word. And, and it's, it's this murderous intent. So this dig against the character of Christ is are you are you trying to murder us? Are you going to let us be killed? So we know the story. We know I'm going to skip ahead just a little. This isn't like a spoiler. He saves him. 
I want to grasp that for a moment. He saves them. He saves their lives. This is an instance where he saves the lives, literally, of his followers. Of those in that boat and those in the other boats. I don't know how many boats, but it wasn't one or two. There was enough boats that it was just given a random description of there were other boats with them. And there were followers of Jesus. And he saved their lives. Yet at this moment, there's accusation against, do you even care? And are you trying to kill us? And Jesus awoke and he rebuked the winds and the raging sea. And he said this, peace, be still. I don't imagine he screamed that. I just don't. I don't imagine he was, you know, like Russell Crowe-esque. Peace! Be still! I believe he was just as cool as can be. Peace, be still. They had to obey. The winds had to obey. The waves had to obey. He knows who he is. He didn't have to grandstand. And the wind ceased. And the waters were perfectly stilled, is what it says in Luke 8. They were perfectly stilled, and there was a great calm. I love so many things about this. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I tell you one of the things I love the most. He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the waves. He spoke to his disciples about their lack of faith. But how great is it that our Jesus rebukes the the things that come to devour us. But for us, even in the midst of our lack of faith, he still speaks to us. How awesome is that? So he rebuked the wind. He rebuked the waves. And this is phenomenal. The winds cease instantly. There's no tapering down. That could be a coincidence. That, that, could, that could be a coincidence. What an amazing coincidence. But that really could be a coincidence. Jesus speaks it, and at that particular moment, the winds stop. It could be a phenomenal coincidence. But I tell you what could not be a coincidence. I tell you what's, what's naturally impossible to be a coincidence. At the same moment, the waters were stilled. They were calmed. If I do a cannonball, I'm a big guy. If I do a cannonball in a pool... There's going to be a splash. And then there's going to be this ripple effect and it's going to kind of taper down. And that's not what happened here, friends. There was no tapering down. He defied physics. He He defied nature. And it was instantly stilled and calmed. And they felt it in the boat. But then they looked across at these other boats. And there are these boats right here, baby. Just steady Eddie. Just as still as can be. And they're all looking at each other. 
And he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Friends, we have got to grab a hold of the truth that Jesus is with us. We've got to grab a hold of the truth that Jesus is with us. He is with us. He is with us. He is with us. If you've got to tell yourself that every day, Jesus is with me. I start this day with joy. Jesus is with me. I start this day with hope. Jesus is with me. I continue this day with endurance. Jesus is with me. Jesus is with us. When he says, do you have no faith? He's sitting there going, I was right there, guys. I told you to get in the boat. I told you we were crossing over. You know who I am. You've seen what I've done. I've told you who I am. Peter revealed who I was. The Son of God. I told you to get in the boat, man. Did you honestly think I I was going to let you die here? Did you honestly think that was my character, my integrity, my name, that I was going to bring you into a boat, invite you into a boat, lead you into a boat, only to let you die. We've got things that have to be done. There's purpose on the other end of that shore. And we've got to go there. There's work to be done. My father told me about it. And I'm including you in it. I'm including you in it. I'm as tired as can be. So I took a nap. Because i got still, I got more work to do. But you knew I was here. You saw me. You knew I was here. Have you no faith? Friends, we better grab a hold of the truth that Jesus is with us. And He never leaves us. And He never forsakes us. And He never chickens out on us. And if He leads us into a storm, you can better believe we're going to make it through. This was a miracle of unprecedented order. Unprecedented. They went from terrified, boat sinking, overwhelmed, dark, cloudy, tsunami, to stillness, to calm. At this moment, they saw who, and it was a rhetorical question. At this point, trust me, they understood. This question is completely rhetorical. Who is this man that even the winds and the seas obey him? They saw that nature obeys him. We walk in that authority. We walk in the authority of Jesus Christ. Do you know that, and this is the honest truth, and I don't know why we don't, we should all think this way. Man, I've been in situations where dogs were just barking, and I pointed and said, in the name of Jesus, stop barking. And that dog has stopped barking. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a, like, I'm not batting a thousand. I don't know why. But it happens a lot. In the name of Jesus, be still. In the name of Jesus, stop barking. I've seen, I hate snakes. Man, please don't ever, like, think you're being funny and, like, play a joke on me with a rubber snake. I will, something bad will happen. I hate snakes. 
I've seen snakes that said the name of Jesus go that way, and they've gone that way. Now, I'm not going to dismiss it as, as just a coincidence. Now, it's not stealing the raging seas, but that snake went that way. We have authority. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And they were filled with great fear. You know what's amazing about this? When they were in the middle of the storm, the words that it used to describe him said that they were afraid. After the storm, when they saw what Jesus had done and they realized they were in the presence of God, now what are they filled with? Great fear. Great fear. I tell you what, what's, what's scarier than being in the boat in the midst of the storm is being in the boat with the awareness that you are there with the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth. We see His glory, but we're also aware He sees our sin, our flaws. He sees, he sees these things. And every time somebody was aware that they were in the presence of God in Scripture, they were overcome with great fear in the presence of an awesome God. There's a story of Samson's uh, uh, Samson's dad in Judges 30, uh, 13, 22. And, and his wife, the guy's name was Manoah, and Manoah's wife had been interacting with an angel of the Lord, telling about, you know, uh, foretelling that Samson was going to be born and this is what you can't do and this is what you can do. And and the wife comes back and says, I, you know, I saw, you know, this man and next time you see him, let me know. I'm, I'm, I'm making it really short. So she sees the angel of the Lord again and she goes, he's here, he's here. And the guy runs out and he's like, well, I'm gonna, I'll make you a go. He's like, no, if you're going to do something with the goat, then make it a sacrifice to the Lord. And then the angel of the Lord disappeared. And Manoah realized he had been in the presence of God. And he says this. He said to his wife, we shall surely die, for we have seen the Lord. They were afraid before. And at this point now, they're truly afraid. Friends, we need to have a reverence for our God. There needs to be an awe and a reverence that the creator of the universe is with us. Now, it's not a fear. It's not an ungodly fear. It's it's an honoring fear. So here's what's really cool. If you read... Mark, you read all of Mark 4 just to kind of get the context of the story in the day. And then you read into Mark 5. So this is amazing. They pull onto the shore for the singular purpose of freedom and deliverance. We see in Mark, that's the story of a demon-possessed man that, that ran out and greeted Jesus. And, and Jesus asked, you know, What's your name? And they said, you know, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he, he cast the demons into a herd of pigs. You know, they said, don't send us into the dark places. Send us into those pigs. And Jesus did. And they ran off the cliff. And the people were like, can you please leave? And Jesus said, yeah, we'll leave. And they left. And they got back to the boats and they went back. That was their purpose. That, that's, that was their purpose. 
to bring freedom. But that man was free. And, and Jesus said, go and tell people what I've done. There's times he's like, keep it quiet. This time he's like, no, let people see you're free. And this dude was like a chain, like he was like an evil chain breaker. Not like the, you know, Caleb song, you know, like, like a good chain breaker. This demon possessed man was scary. And now he was free. There was no major city, by the way, where, where Jesus got off the shore. There was no major city in that region. He got off the shore to set the captive free. Are you telling me Jesus would do it for one person? Yep. That's what the father said. Yep. They got back on the boat. Can you imagine the boats? Can you imagine the discussions, the conversations on the boats heading back? When they land on the shore, some remarkable things happen. This is where we see uh, the woman with the issue of blood healed. Jesus was actually on the way to heal the daughter of Jairus. Jairus was a religious leader. He was a leader in the temple. He, he was pretty good likelihood that he was opposition to Jesus, but he believed Jesus. He was a, he was a Jewish leader and, and they were coming against Jesus at this time. And Jairus was like, can you heal my daughter? And Jesus said, yeah, let's go. But Jesus had time to go, who touched me? Who touched me? And, to, and called her daughter. Only time Jesus ever called someone daughter called her this unclean woman for 12 years she had been unclean and called her daughter and then they get word that Jairus's daughter who was 12 years old that's interesting isn't it the, the daughter had died and he's like no she's only sleeping takes her by the hand raises her from the dead talk about a two day stretch and that's all that's just recorded What do we do when Jesus leads us into the storm? A lot of times in religious thinking, if we see someone in the midst of a hard time, we think some pretty crummy things. Oh, that there must be sin in that person's life. Look at what they're going through. They're going such difficulty. There must be sin in their life. God must not be pleased with their lives. Friends, let's not presume to understand the ways of the Lord. Maybe, maybe Jesus led them into that storm. Maybe there's a greater purpose. Maybe there's something on the other side. Maybe God just wants his power to be seen in a mighty, miraculous way. Some of the lessons we can learn from this. Jesus asked the disciples to go to the other side. Friends, we've got to trust Jesus. Number two, the disciples, they followed Jesus. We've got to follow Jesus. I love this one. Don't panic if Jesus is silent. Don't panic if Jesus is silent. He was silent then. He was asleep. Don't panic if Jesus is silent. Let your trust be firm. Let your faith be firm. He's with you. Don't doubt it. Four, cry out for help. Even though he's there, cry out for help. It's a God who hears that we serve. And then number five, learn to look back. Learn to remember Learn to look back and see the power of God, the might of God.
remind ourselves of the power of God. It'll help us through the next storm, and there will be a next storm. Until we breathe our last breath, there will be a next storm. We've got to look back and remember the goodness of our God, the power of our God. Psalm 55, 22 is wonderful. It's, this psalm is quoted again in 1 Peter, but I'm just going to read this from Psalms. It says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. When Jesus leads us, we can be confident. When Jesus leads us and we're following Him, we can have peace. The words, the prayer, the prayer, peace, be still, should still be prayed by us today. In the midst of every storm, we can look with confidence and coolness, the coolness of Christ, and we can just speak peace, be still. In the name of Jesus. The winds still have to obey Him. The storms and the waves still have to obey Him. They still have to obey. They still have to line up. His name is great. And it is still great. And it is just as great. And they have to obey. But we have to walk in that authority. We've got to walk in that confidence. We've got to walk in that faith. And say, He is with us. I see the storms. They're loud. They're big. They're scary. I get it. But my Jesus is bigger and louder and scarier for those who stand against me. Because I'm a child of God. 